0: Certainly glad to see everyone here this morning. If you consider yourself a visitor, we're glad that you're here. We hope that you'll find the service comfortable and uplifting. And I know you've enjoyed the song service this far. And it's always a pleasure for me to get to be here. And and, uh, as I travel a lot and work, I'm very thankful that I'm here on Sundays and that I get to hear the good teaching here. And then there's some times when you just have to get through it. So uh, I hope the lesson is beneficial to you. It's one that has been on my mind for a long time, and I can't even tell you why, but uh, I've titled the lesson this morning, Who is this Barabbas? And I heard a little tidbit of something about Barabbas on the radio one day going down the highway, and ever since then, I've been real curious about that, and I've tried to spend a lot of time. There's not a lot of information, but there's some things that I think we can learn there And there's some interesting concepts and things that are going on there. And then there's some things that just have to be a matter of some judgment. And so I want us to look at these things this morning, and hopefully when we get through, it'll all come together, and and it'll be a message that's not rocket science, but it'll be something you can take home and and, uh, apply to your life. So before we start this morning, uh, Mark, you got me a slide back there? I, uh, I wanted to define some terms. Never mind. They're up there. Sorry. <laughs> I was looking at this one. Not used to that. Okay, so the first thing that I wanted to notice uh, was that there is judgment involved in the difference between these terms. And you're going to see these terms used in the different books of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John they're talking about the same event. They're describing what has gone on. They're describing what Barnabas is, or Barabbas has been involved in. And so I want us to notice that these terms are very interchangeable. And so it's a matter of judgment as to how serious you think things have gotten. And I, I've looked at a bunch of different commentaries and dictionaries. And uh, I even went to the penal code. And I think you'll find it interesting that sedition and insurrection are in the penal code of the United States of America. For whatever reason, I don't ever hear of anybody being charged with these things, but they're still on the books. And just in case you're curious as I was, it's up to four years in jail for sedition, and it's up to ten years in jail for insurrection in the United States. So as we look at these terms, we want to notice uh, first and foremost that they are uh, different amounts of seriousness. If you look at a tumult, it's the first one and it's the least uh, serious and it's one that you can get by with most of the time. If it it raises to a a slightly higher level, it becomes sedition. And then if it gets violent uh, in any way, it becomes insurrection. And then it just becomes out, out and out rebellion. And rebellion is not used in our uh, purposes this morning other than to show you the progression of these terms. So we see that a tumult is a loud and confusing crowd. Everybody's yelling. Somebody's told me this morning that's kind of like a, a pep rally or something at the school. It can be. Or if you go to a city council meeting where people are very emotional about things and they want to be heard, maybe, maybe there's a tumult there. It gets loud and confusing. Everyone wants to talk at once. Things like that. But then when it rises to a sedition, it's a loud protest, speaking out against something, but without violence. And this would be people protesting in the streets where they weren't destroying anything, but they were being loud and they were being out in front of everyone and wanting people to know that they were not happy. Now what we see a lot of today, which I don't understand why we don't stop, is insurrection. It's a loud and chaotic protest to the point of violence. And we've seen buildings destroyed. Just recently, we've had government buildings attacked to the point of trying to burn them and trying to break the windows out of them, trying to uh, burn cars and do crazy things. We've had people going into schools and planting bombs, uh, trying to shoot people. Absolute defiance of government rule. Defiance of any rule spreading total chaos. And then, of course, we would put that under the, f- the form of rebellion, which is a violent protest with the intent to fight against an authority or to overthrow a government. And certainly, I believe we see some rebellion rising up in our society today and in our country. And it's something that is very dangerous, especially if it's the focus of one particular group or entity that can be singled out by the authority they're trying to overthrow. And then we notice murder simply is the taking of innocent life. And then we have uh, the term robber or thief. And as you look at this, there's a lot of broad uh, variance in how people think that should be used. And so for the sake of, of this morning, I'm going to leave it as a revolutionary or an insurrectionist. Now, it's a, it also means a robber, a thief, someone who steals or swiftly takes away. And that's what Strong's would, would give you as the basic definition. But it's also, in other references, pointed out as someone who was a re, used more uh, in the terms of a, res, a revolutionary or an insurrectionist. So if you take out your Bibles, we're going to do a lot of reading this morning, and I'm going to try to my best to do it quickly. In Matthew 27, we're going to start in verse 13, and we're going to read uh, 13 through 18. Then said Pilate unto him, "Hear us that." Uh, well, let me set the stage for this. I'm sorry, we're at the trial now. Pontius Pilate. Uh, got up early that morning and he went down and I'm assuming because Barabbas was there and there were others there that needed to go before a judge that it was trial day and they were going to hear some court uh, things that day and Jesus was brought by the chief priests and the elders and thrust into the inner chamber but they wouldn't go in because they didn't want to defile themselves because of the Passover being uh, upon them and so here's Pontius Pilate, he comes to do his regular duty as being a judge, and all of a sudden he's got an extra to deal with. And it was very rare for someone to just thrust someone being accused in there and not go in to bring the accusation. Certainly, Pilate would have been within his right to throw the whole case out and say, y'all see to that, I'm not going to deal with Jesus. And certainly we know that he does that over and over again Uh, in Scripture as they argue with him. But he could have done it right there because they didn't go in to the chamber. Okay, so now Jesus is before Pilate, and we're going to pick up in Matthew 27 and verse 13. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against you? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would... And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him." But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So I want us to notice here for just a moment that as Pilate is about to offer them this notable prisoner, Barabbas. He was a leader. There were others that were arrested with him as he went into this insurrection. He was fighting for something. And he was a Jew. And so there's a lot of argument over about what we can surmise out of that, but what we know is he was fighting for something in the interest of the Jews. And there were others that were, were following him that got involved in this uh, that would have been a tumult or a sedition, and it became an insurrection, and then someone was killed during that. Have we ever seen that in, in our society today where things get really intense, People are getting really angry, and there's, there's a, what we would call a riot, and then someone gets killed by accident, by whatever. We don't know what the circumstances were, but we know whatever the case, Barabbas got caught up in that, and he murdered someone. He, took, he shed innocent blood, someone that was not the focus of what he was there for, but they got in the way. But I want us to notice verse 20. It says, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Now these are the chief priests and elders plotting to destroy Jesus. They're planning this out beforehand. They're strategizing that they don't want this notable prisoner to be... uh, I mean, they want the notable prisoner to be released, but they want Jesus killed. They want Him destroyed. Now, usually we believe the court system is for justice, and it's to get justice. But you see, they didn't want justice. They wanted what they wanted, and what they wanted was Jesus to be put to death. And they didn't have the ability to do that without going to the court. And here we have the governor, and they're before him, and so they have plotted out this plan. Now, I want us to remember that those were the chief priests and the elders... There was no evidence. There was no credible witnesses. Does this sound familiar? Heard anything like this recently? These were the leaders of God's people. And yet they went in there and said, Hey, just because we are who we are, we want this man killed. And one of the first things that that Pilate asked is, what What are the accusations? They said, If he wasn't worthy of death, we wouldn't have brought him to you. You don't worry about that. You just put him to death. So they're at the point during this time of telling the court what to do. They're not there to let the court decide the way it should be. They're there to tell the court how it's going to be. Does that ever happen in our own life? Do you ever get caught up in hearing about something that happened with a friend or a foe or someone, your neighbor? And you've heard these minute details at the coffee shop, and we know that had to be true, and you backed it up by Facebook because your wife pulled it up. And then we became (laughs) judge, jury, and executioner. You ever see people get caught up in that? Be very careful what you believe about other people when you were not there personally. It's a very dangerous situation to put yourself in to make accusations without evidence, no matter who it is or what the, the circumstances are. So let's turn over to Mark, the 15th chapter. Mark, chapter 15, and verse 4. It says, And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they, wit- they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. So I want to stop right there, and I want us to notice that Barabbas was there. He was laying there bound with the others that had been with him in this insurrection. And as I read this, I take that to mean that they're there waiting trial. They're present. This wasn't someone that that Pilate had to look down through the roster and see who he was going to offer to him. These men were already there. and, And Barabbas was the leader of them. And we see that he was there. There was an insurrection, and he had committed murder during that. So the Jews took Jesus. They handed Him over to Pilate to be judged. But Pilate marveled that Jesus didn't try to take up for himself because as would have been the custom, he would have made arguments against the accusations that these men were making. And yet he didn't answer. He just sat there and allowed this to go on. As the custom was, Pilate was to free a Jew of the Jew's choice. I want to notice that Barabbas was a Jew. And it says that he knew the chief priests had delivered Jesus out of envy. I find it very ironic that one of the things Barabbas was in prison for was insurrection, and the Jews were actually doing the same thing to get him out and condemn and murder Jesus. So the very thing that the law said, Barabbas, you were wrong in doing and you were arrested for that, these Jews, these people that were supposed to be religious had turned that around and were doing the very thing to force their will upon the power and the authority that was there. Now let's turn over to Luke 23. Starting in verse 1, we're going to read more in the, during this one. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered, and sa- answered him and said, Thou sayest it. And in that day that basically meant yes. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people... I find no fault in this man. And they, they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. So it says they got mad, they got loud, they got more fierce when that was rejected, that he, was not, he had not said these things, and that Pilate had found no wrong in him. They were upset, and they began to make more accusations, and they began to stir up the people. When Pilate heard, heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see Him of a long season, because he had heard many things of Him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by Him. Then he questioned with him in many words, But he answered him nothing. So Herod was real excited that Jesus was going to come before him. He'd heard about the man. He was hoping to see some miracles. And he was hoping to have some conversation with him. And he begins to ask him all these questions. And yet Jesus doesn't answer. And so as this was going on, the chief priests and the scribes in verse 10 stood and vehemently accused him. So they just keep getting more and more furious that his lack of answer and their more accusations being piled on is not persuading these leaders to condemn him to death. And they're getting very upset about this. And it says, Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. So they made fun of Jesus. They mocked him. They tried to get get some response out of him. And yet he just sat there. And he took it. And he didn't make any argument. He didn't reply back. He simply absorbed all of their accusations and sat there. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, before, for before they were at enmity between themselves. I find this interesting, that these, these two men were in different jurisdictions, and they didn't get along. They, didn't, they were at odds with each other. But because of Jesus, they were able to put that aside and come together. Isn't that something? Even in all the evil that's going on, Jesus has brought these two men back together. They've resolved their differences because now they've got the same problem. What are we going to do with Jesus? In verse 13, it says, And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, he said unto them, You have brought this man unto me, as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, have I having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him. No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. So now Herod and, and Pilate are using one another hey, there is nothing wrong with this guy. He's been before two magistrates and they have not found something worthy of death. He's been ridiculed over there. I'm going to chastise him and I'm going to set him free. That's the argument that Pilate is making. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition... Made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chast- chastise him and let him go. This is now the third time that Pilate has said he hadn't done anything wrong worthy of death. Why would you want me to do that? And they continually push and prod and yell and scream for the blood of Jesus. In verse 23, And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required. And he released unto unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. So as we see here, who is this Barabbas? He really had nothing to do with the story, did he? He was just a guy that had got himself into trouble. He got overzealous in whatever he was fighting for. He had ended up committing... Uh, A lot of crime in that, in, in so much as he's even looked at as a revolutionary. He was very close to rebellion, and very likely he could have been put to death. It would have depended on the court. But they had every reason to kill him. And he's over here, and he's not even asking to be released. But these chief priests and elders are crying for him to be released to them, and that Jesus should be crucified. You know, there was a high-stakes game of gambling, if you will, between Herod and Pilate and these people. See, Pilate knew that it was a very dangerous thing to release Barabbas for two reasons. One is he could flare back up, and he could attack again, and he could cause problems bringing the wrath of the Romans down upon him. He could have lost his position and very likely could have even lost his life and the lives of his family. So he tried to set something up that would be strategic because not only would it be dangerous for him, it would be dangerous for the Jews. Because if it was looked upon that the Jews were revolting because of what Barabbas was involved in and those that followed him, don't forget, there was more than just him then certainly the Romans would have come down and persecuted all of them. They would have crushed what they saw as a rebellion, and they would have murdered and slew all the Jews that they could get their hands on. This was something they did over and over again everywhere that they conquered. So as Pilate put these two into play, I believe that he was hoping that they would see the danger and the risk, and they would turn to Jesus instead of to Barabbas. But they didn't. And so as we see, they finally won out. And Jesus was taken away to be scourged and to be crucified. Now in John the 18th chapter, in verse 28, it says, Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. So here they are with that arrogant tone. You just don't worry about it. We wouldn't have brought him to you if he wasn't a a guy that needed to be put to death. Pilate said to them take take him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him it is not lawful for us to put any man to death. So they they've told now they have told Pilate at this point exactly what they wanted the death of Jesus. In verse 33 it says then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? So here he's having a conversation that we were not privy to in the other other accounts. But here he is actually answering and speaking with Pilate. And he's inside and these other Jews are not in there because it was time for the Passover. So he's in there with Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. So Pilate believed what Jesus was telling him. He saw no no rebellious attitude in Jesus. He saw nothing that no uh, rash statements were made. He just gave him the truth, and he called it the truth. And Pilate's response was, what is truth? And in that society and in that culture in that day, there was a lot of argument over what truth was. Kind of sound familiar? Situational ethics, all the things we hear about that are being taught in school today, and are in our universities. It was the very thing that the Romans were fighting over during this day. What is truth, and how do we come to truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. In verse 39, he says, "...but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews?" Then cried they all again, saying, "...not this man, but Barabbas." Now Barabbas was a, was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe, and said, "...Hail, king of the Jews." And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Now you know, we read earlier about his wife warning him that she had been plagued by this dream about Jesus. And she said, Don't have anything to do with this just man. That's what she called him. And every time Pilate has opened his mouth, he has said, I have found no fault in this man. And now he hears that that Jesus has claimed that he's the Son of God. And it shakes him to his core. And he, he becomes more afraid. He has no idea what he's in the middle of. But he knows it's not good. And he knows he's on the wrong side of it. But unfortunately, because of the pressure... He has remained there. Verse 9. And he went went again into the judgment hall, and he saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? So Pilate gets upset, he's scared, he's intimidated. He doesn't want to do this, so now he's trying to provoke a a reaction from Jesus. And Jesus answers in verse 11, he said, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto unto thee hath the greater sin. So he just answered him softly, matter-of-factly, short, succinct, and to the point. He answered the question. And from that point forward, in verse 12, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king, speaketh against Caesar. So we saw earlier that Pilate tried to put it in this area of risk with Caesar and the Roman army. Now the Jews have done the same thing. They've thrown this out and said, Pilate, if you don't do this, you're not a friend of Caesar. You're going to go down in flames, buddy, because Caesar is going to take you out because you are not his friend. You are not doing his bidding. Certainly, any time you would have thought the Roman army was fixing to be brought down upon you and Caesar was not going to be your friend, you would have had fear beyond imagination. You know, we, just re- or we keep hearing about the alleged death of a man that was tortured by 15 other men. And what a horrible way that he died. And, and we've heard that over and over in the news lately. The Romans were very capable of the same thing. They had no problem torturing people until their death, especially if it was a leader of a, of a magistrate or a governor that was over a district that was not taking care of his district. So certainly the fear and the intimidation was on top of Pilate. And it says, he, when he heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, and he sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus, and they led him away. So as we have went through all of these accounts, we have gotten different pieces of this story. And while Barabbas was certainly a small part of the story, the real story was about Jesus. And it was about the trial and about the made-up things that they said about him. About the lies and the participation of religious leaders involved in lies and persecuting the Son of God. Pilate wanted to let Jesus go, but he could not pacify the mob. The mob had more control than Pilate did. And the more he tried to pacify them, they completely ignored what he offered them, and they demanded that they get what they came for, the death of Jesus. God's people acting this way. Can you imagine if our elders were at the courthouse demanding the death penalty for one of our members? Certainly, if if the Son of God was here, that's what they were dealing with. Everybody involved in this big mess right here has some form of knowledge of what they're involved in, but very little capacity to realize what it really was. Everyone there, Pilate, Herod, all of them, had no idea the changes for all mankind that they were being a part of that day. So we go back to, who was this man, Barabbas? And we want to look at a few things right quick and end up our lesson. Barabbas was a person who deserved punishment. He was like you and I. He was a sinner. He made mistakes in his life. He did things that were contrary to God's Word, just like you and I have done in our own life. In Romans 3 and verse 23, It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And also in uh, Romans three and verse ten, it says, It is written, There is none righteous, no not one. So we see that Barabbas was very much deserving of the punishment that he was was receiving and was going to receive further after a trial. He was he was a lawbreaker both spiritually and physically. He was a robber or a revolutionist and a murderer. The Bible tells us in John 10 and verse 10. If I can get there, sorry. John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. We know he's, he's referring to G, uh, to Satan here. That he was a thief. He was a robber and he came to kill and steal and do harm to all that he could. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see the difference? These were religious people, but they had lost all inkling of religion as far as worshiping God it had become about them and their prestige and the politics of the day and all of these other things that they had become involved in and they had forgotten what was really important and Jesus said he had come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly and we know that when we side with Jesus and not with Satan life is so much better he promises those those blessings that we freely receive for being one of his number 3 barabbas was guilty of sedition in 1 Timothy 2 and verses 1 and 2 I'm sorry the pages are sticking 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You see, while Barabbas was trying to accomplish things through might, through open uh, sedition, and possibly even rebellion, he was going about things his own way, not according to God's way. I ask you, how many times do you and I do that? How many times do we go about seeking to accomplish things on our own without remembering that Jesus is there to help us? And without remembering that he has a way that is the only way that things should be done. We notice that Barabbas was also guilty of insurrection. And as we look at 1 Peter 2, we receive instruction there in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Our instruction that we receive here is to live in submission to authority. You know, there are things that we don't like and there are things that frustrate us about our society, maybe even about our communities, and most especially about those that would try to tear down the things that we believe the country stands for. But you know, sometimes people get so upset about these things that they want to take things into their own hands. You know, I can remember an individual back when 9-11 happened, crying and, and just outbursting in anger as they were talking to me, and they just wanted the government to give them a 747, get it off the ground, point it in the right direction, and let them put that thing right down the throat of whoever did that. That's all they wanted. They didn't even want to learn how to fly the plane. There was no coming back for them. They just wanted to go do vengeance and justice in their eyes. Would that do any good? If you gave your life in that way, in a violent way, and you struck back an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, would that help you physically? Would that help you spiritually? Certainly the way that has been presented in Scripture to us to live in submission to authority and to love our neighbor as ourself would serve us much better than violence. And you know, that's, that's hard to see sometimes when we see people being violent against the things that we hold true, ridiculing those that we hold in high esteem, whether that be religious leaders or, or whoever. Um... Certainly, even my children have talked about having a hard time at the school when someone is ridiculing one of their teachers that they like. They feel the need to take up for the teacher and defend her honor because she's not being treated fairly, or he. Those are things that, that are very hard for us to realize that sometimes our, our impulse, our passion would be to defend And certainly, I believe that we have the right to speak up for ourselves. I don't believe that we should be violent, but I do believe that we can set facts straight. That we can make sure things are done decently and in order. And that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. I'm just talking about taking things into our own hands. And as we know, there's a lot of people doing that right now. All across the land doing things that we've never seen happen before in our lifetime, things that are not good, and things that will cause more harm than they will good. Also, Barabbas was a Jew. He was a notable prisoner that had been taken by the Romans. Him being released could have caused the death of Pilate and his family. It could have caused the wrath of the Romans to be brought down on all Jews. They could have been exiled or even worse, rounded up and killed. We need to be aware that our actions in our own life have consequences on the body of Christ. When you and I are involved in things that we should not be involved in, it reflects poorly upon our brothers and sisters. When we don't handle situations correctly, we cast a shadow upon the church that is not good. We have to remember that We can cast good shadows or we can cast bad shadows, but we will cast a shadow one way or the other for the church. Your life is not your own when you become a Christian. It was bought with the blood of Jesus that He shed that day on the cross. He shed it for you and He shed it for me. And in return, He had expectations for you and I to rise above the petty things of this world, even to the point of death that we might represent Him as an honorable ambassador to the world and that we would, be, we would be able to shine His light in the eyes of those that do not know Him forever and ever. And finally, I want to notice that Barabbas was a man who was saved physically by the shedding of Jesus' blood. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 It says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. Had we been there that day, would we have been some of those yelling, crucify Him? Would we have walked up the hill to Golgotha? Would we have watched Him die on that cross, wondering what in the world is happening? Certainly our Savior is dying and there will be no kingdom. We know that's the story we read about in Scripture. What about you and I? You and I have all been in Barabbas' spiritual shoes at one time or other in our lives. Separated by our own sin. Trying to make life work some other way without Jesus. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, at some point in our life, we all have to try that. And that's why sin enters into our life. As we attempt to be our own person, we attempt to live our own way and to overcome the odds of Satan taking us down without the help of Jesus. Certainly Barabbas' mindset was the same. To overcome all odds through his might and not through the Son of God. So I ask you this morning, what did Barabbas do with his newfound freedom? I would love to know that, wouldn't you? What did he do with that? You know, we really don't know. We're not told in Scripture. He's not mentioned again except in Acts and passing. Uh, He could have recognized the freedom that Jesus had afforded him. He could have repented and became a Christian. He could have lived a good and peaceful life. He could have done those things. But we don't know. Or... He could have wasted the opportunity he was given. you ever thought about that? How much waste there is in the world in all different facets of life? It's very possible because we don't read about Barabbas again that he wasted the opportunities that he was given. This second chance at a peaceful life. So what do you and I do this morning with freedom that we have been given by being a child of God? Do we use it to glorify God? Do we do things that shine His light in our everyday life? Are we about the Father's business? Are we wanting to make a difference for others and introduce them to Jesus as the Son of God? Or do we simply waste our freedom trying to make it on our own without Jesus truly being Lord of our life? That is the question I will leave with you this morning as we wrap up this sermon. What are you doing with the freedom that Jesus has given you? Have you given your life to Jesus truly and fully? Have you heard His precious teachings and applied them every day? Have you believed them and repented and confessed that He truly is the Son of God and been buried in a watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins so that you can be reconciled as a child of His? I ask you this morning, if you have not, Why not today as we stand and sing?